Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Good morning, church, or good evening uh, to some that are watching. Uh, Happy Monday morning to those in Australia that are watching, and uh, our dear friends in um, East Africa that are watching, uh, thank you. We're so glad to have you here. A few pieces of work that I need to get um, through, and then we'll, we'll get to our lesson, all right? First of all, thanks to all of you who have uh, sent us your, your thoughts and your prayers. My mother passed last Monday morning. Uh, she passed in her sleep as we wished that she would, and her suffering is, is ended. Uh, we will have a memorial here that will be online on Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock Central Time in the U.S., but it will stay up on our YouTube channel for a while uh, for those of you that would like to watch it later or who are not available then. And there are other places where she was important and where people loved her. And so we're offering to them, and if you've not heard from me yet, this you're hearing from me now, uh, we're offering to them that we'll come to you. you know, we cannot hold all of the people who loved Catherine, and people are uh, scattered about. But I have no problem getting to you and to um, bring the pictures, the video reels, whatever you need to hold a memorial where you are. And, and the memorial should continue. I mean, we've been doing a memorial of Jesus for over 2,000 years, and not to equate the two, but you could tell when you met my mother that she had met Jesus, um, and her sweetness and kindness was amazing. Um, it, it skipped a generation, but it's still amazing. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful to see Evu leading us in the first song? Evu uh, is now in Cincinnati, finishing uh, one degree and starting another, if I'm understanding it. And so, Evu, we love you. Um, your family is sorely missed, but we love you here. And then Kurt was on the far right of the, uh, as, you, as you looked at the uh, screen, it had been on the left of the stage. And he, uh, Kurt, you may not know this, but I'll bring it up on Tuesday as well. We're going to play Kurt singing, um, Be Thou My Vision. For the memor- in the memorial, because as he led that from this stage, my mother sitting right back there where Cami is sitting, leaned over to me and said, I want that sung at my funeral. So I thought, I, at first I thought, oh, I'll do it. Then I thought, she liked Kurt's version. So <laughs> Kurt, thank you very much. He's up in Kirksville, Missouri with a lot of our dear friends. Real quick, a couple more things. Um, our local group has been gathering some things for a homeless shelter for vets. You know, if you're involved in ministries like that, let us know. And we have a dear, dear young lady in New Jersey who has taken that upon herself for years. And we've said, let us help you just a little bit. And so we are. Uh, also on the, um, on the home front, but it, it'll absolutely affect everyone. Way back in June, our creative director, uh, Kirsten, taught us, uh, told us that she was going to end her work here December 31st. Still be with us, 
still be a part of our church. But see, she has a real full-time job, a real job like grown-ups have. And, and yet we have piled so much on her. Uh, and everything we've asked her to do, she has done better than we could have imagined. She's the one who's made things pretty, that uh, made sure that the lyrics were what they were supposed to be. I, I did not always do the same. I tend to make them up if I've looked away from the screen. Uh, she has just been amazing and wonderful in every single way. So just if you want to send in a note to Kirsten, you can send it to info at oursafeharbor.com. But we will always love Kirsten and, and the guy, um, Jay, that, that, <laughs> that is always here helping her. So keep her in your prayers. Ready to go to work? The, um, a review, short, just very brief. The Bible is a book of many stories. But really, it is a book of one story told many times in many different ways. And we notice the connection if we start looking for them. And we see the connections and similarities. And it explains why when we read the story of Moses or read the story of David or read the story of Joseph, we think there's something about this that sounds familiar. Now, last week, if you didn't see, you need to go back and have a check we detailed the similarities in the story, and there are so many, between Moses and Jesus. And Matthew, in particular, makes that very, very plain. And Stephen, in his sermon in Acts 7, brings it all together in a beautiful one little package. This week, we're going to take a look at another story. Joseph. Not the father of Jesus. We don't have that much material on him. But this is the young man that was sold into slavery, rose to power in Egypt, and who provided safe haven for his people in a time of famine. I had to learn to like Joseph, and it wasn't, hard, it wasn't easy to do. But it wasn't Joseph's fault. I was at a church where Bible classes were taught by volunteers, yay volunteers. But because we didn't get a lot of volunteers, we had to take whoever volunteered. And there was a man there that God bless him because he he volunteered. He was there. But it was the most boring class ever. We had 13 weeks on Joseph and we had to fill in the blanks in our little books. Did you ever have those? Where And if you didn't do it, you didn't get a star up there and everybody knew you were probably going to be a reprobate and a pig in the rest of your life. So you needed the star. You needed to fill out the book. And, and so we had a droning on of Joseph for 13 weeks and we finally got through it. And I was thinking... Good, and I was graduated up to the next level where they started the story of Joseph for 13 weeks. (laughs) The teacher was a lot better, but by that time, I was so Josephed out. It was all my fault, not the fault of these teachers by any way. But one of the first things I want to just bring up is the name Jesus and Joseph are about as similar as you can get in Aramaic or Hebrew. In fact, Jesus, Joshua, Joseph... Judas, these names were often almost interchangeable. They were so similar. I like that. I like that a lot, that Jesus chose a common name. And he called himself the Son of Man, which means basically one of you, one of us. Philippians 2, which we'll look at later, makes that even more plain. It's as if God walked into the room and said, just call me John. Just call me Bob. He didn't, he did not bring a pretentious name with all of those, you know, like with royalty, the Earl of this and the Baron of this and the Admiral of the Seven Seas. He didn't do that. Joseph and Judas, 
and Jesus and uh, all of these have the same name or close enough. Now we're going to show some connections between Joseph and, and Jesus, but we're going to do it a little bit different than we did last week because we don't have the handy dandy Act 7 encapsulation that Stephen gave us. But whenever we do this, sometimes it won't be in chronological order. It will be in the story of Joseph, not in Jesus. What's going on here? I hear you cry. Jewish people did not think it was important to write a person's story in chronological order. They wrote it in the order they needed to write it to make a point, to bring their story to the fore, and you get the point of the story. We in the West like our history step by step. And frankly, I really do. When I read a a story or see a movie at about the third or fourth flashback, I'm starting to go, no, you should have told this back then. I'm going, I, need, I need a diagram. I need, I need something. Not a spreadsheet. Can't read those. But I need somehow to diagram. Anyway, our story of Joseph is found in a fairly compact space. It's in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. A major portion of Genesis. So we need to pay attention. There is a one chapter opt out. That's in chapter 38. And that is a terrifying, horrific story. And um, about Judah and Tamar, and we're not going to go there, so the kids are safe in the room. By the way, I find that kind of endearing and sweet. I've received a couple of emails saying one of the reasons we love this church is that we never have to hold our hands over our kids' ears. Well, I hadn't really thought of that. The reason I preached like that is because I got scared during sermons when I was a boy. And I thought, if ever I get up there, I'm not going to scare kids. So I hope I haven't. Uh, Anyway, moving on. We're not going to go to chapter 38, but we're going to look at the others. Let's start. Chapter 37, Genesis. We see that Joseph was the beloved of the father. He had a lot of boys. He had a lot of kids. But Joseph was the beloved. There is a a comedian that has that line, says, my wife and I have two amazing kids. And of course, the crowd always applauds that for some reason. And halfway through their applause, he'll say, and another kid. And, and that's just, it's just, you know, comedic. And, and people ask me, who's your, you know, who's your favorite grandkid? And they'll say, oh, they're all my favorite. And it's a lie. I've got a favorite. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> Joseph was the beloved of the father. Jesus was the beloved of his father and was publicly acknowledged as such at his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, Joseph lived a very privileged position in his father's house while his brothers were out herding the sheep and fending off traders and slavers and the like, Joseph got to stay at home, have all of the, the nice things in the privileged household. Well, Jesus lived in well-deserved glory in heaven before coming down to earth. Well, Joseph was hated by his brothers. They were jealous, and for good reason, one might think. Jesus' brothers were just not believing the story. They did not believe in Jesus' divinity. They did not believe in their mother's story. I want you to think about how hard that would have been to have been her mother, their mother. And they don't believe your story that you became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, then there's no other option but one, and that would have been what they believed. I'm just going to do quickly here um, in John. We could also go to Luke 19, 14. But I'm going to try to stay in one book just to make it a bit easier. If you're making notes, you can just say, John, 
We're going to start at chapter 15, verse 25. He said, this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. In the book of Psalms, it says that they will hate him without reason. Well, they did. And Jesus applied that to himself. We can, there are several other passages. John actually deals with this more than the others do. And that's why it's written, really. He, he tells a different story. The stories the others did not tell. In chapter uh, 7, verse 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. And we could go on to John chapter 8, verse uh, 40, John chapter 5, verse 15. There are many. And by the way, just uh, Kirsten and one of her 5,000 things she does a week, part-time for us, is she puts the notes in the description of the video. So they're always there. We don't copyright my notes. You can use them. You can preach them. You can edit them. You can do with them as you wish. But the notes have the passages there. Joseph told his brothers that one day he was going to be ruler over them. I would suggest to you that was a bad move. Whenever the brothers are out there doing the hard work and you're privileged in your house to say, hey, I had a dream that tells me one of these days I'm going to be the boss of you will not go down well. If you have boys in your house, you know this. Uh, the, the, The competition begins very early and it really does not go away. Well, there are obvious parallels to Jesus who told us that he was the son of man. Yes, but he was also the son of God and both were rejected because of this. In Genesis chapter 37, verses 13 to 14, in a remarkable example of lack of awareness, his father sends Joseph out into the nethers, the the, the back 40 perhaps, to check on his brothers and see how they're doing and bring a report back home so that he could provide for their welfare. Well, Well, not exactly the same. God sent Jesus to earth by the Father for our welfare, for our good. Joseph's brothers, when they saw him coming, plotted to kill him. You see the obvious parallel. The religious community plotted to kill Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the scripture says the common man heard him gladly and the women followed him There were always women following him. If you know where to look in scripture, you'll see that. And some of them actually supported them financially to keep the the ministry going. But the religious leaders, the ones who had an inheritance like the brothers, who wanted another inheritance, plotted to kill him. When Joseph's brothers set about on their plan, Reuben, one of the brothers, doesn't want to kill him, does not want to have the blood on their hands. So he says... Let's not kill him. Let's just lower him down in this pit and let nature take its course. Now, while that sounds to you and I like, no, that's still murder, in their day and time, they would still be able to say, no, we did not kill him. Yeah, we just put him there. But Reuben also hoped to come back later and pull him out. But he, of course, he didn't give that away at all. Pilate offered Barabbas to the crowd instead of Jesus. Joseph was stripped of his coat, his symbol of being beloved by his father. Jesus was stripped of his clothes, derided by the brothers, who threw a purple cloak on him, uh, by the soldiers rather. And then Reuben's plan to save him didn't work because Judah 
Saul and Reuben wasn't, didn't have the vote here. Here came some slavers and Judah said, why should he die and we don't profit a bit of it? We can get some money out of this. We're still not killing him. We'll just sell him to slavers and we'll tell our, fa- our father, wait, is this Joseph's coke? He must have been eaten by a wild animal. Of course, we look upon this as atrocious, heartless, and cruel because it's atrocious, heartless, and cruel. But that's what they did. Jesus was handed over to the mob by Judas. The same name, by the way, of the one who handed Joseph over to the slavers. Judah and Judas are the same name in Hebrew. It it just keeps going. In fact, that's kind of what I want to read. In, In Genesis 37, we haven't left 37 yet. Don't worry, I know we're going to 50. We do not spend equal time in, uh, so, you know, don't pack a lunch. Uh, Genesis 37, verses 26 and 27. Am I there yet? Nope, there we are. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. Okay. Well, Joseph rose from the pit. Jesus rose from the grave. Joseph was sold to the Midianites for the price of 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold to the, uh, the mob for 30 pieces of silver. Both times, that was the going price for slaves. And so... Again, Joseph's coat was presented to his father as proof of his his death. And Jesus' clothes were covered with blood and taken by the Roman soldiers. Do you see the parallels? Do you see why? When we read stories, we think, well, this seems a little familiar. Because all of the stories in the scripture are the story of Jesus. Once you know how to look. We're in chapter 37 now, skipping over 38. Joseph became a servant. In Egypt. Jesus came to us as a servant. And by the way, he called us to emulate that, that we are to go out in the form of a servant. And then Joseph was doing well as a servant, and his his character and his uh, his determination to rise above his situation elevated him in the household and in the community. Jesus has said, like Moses, like Joseph to grow in stature and favor with one and all in the community. Then Joseph went through a time of temptation. Potiphar's wife wanted to have relations, adultery, with Joseph. This was not a one-time thing. If you take a look at scripture, and when I was a boy, it was presented as a one-time thing. No, this was a long pushing. She was working on this. He... He was tempted over a period of time. What happened to Jesus right after the baptism? He was sent out in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Joseph was falsely accused. Whenever she grabbed at him and he had to get away by slipping out of his cloak and ran with no clothes out and then the boss man sees him, that's a real hard story to tell, convincingly. Especially when your boss is the chief executioner. That makes it even a little harder. So he was thrown into prison, falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused many, many times. We're in chapter 40 now. 
Joseph was cast into prison, numbered among the transgressors. What did Isaiah 53 say? He was numbered among the transgressors, talking about Jesus, the suffering servant. We'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. Joseph was, once again, going to rise above the situation. And he did. He rose to become so well thought of in the, in the jail that the chief jailer gave him lots of freedom. The Roman centurion at the cross looked at Jesus and realized that Jesus was an honorable man and said, surely this was a son of God. I know some versions of the Bible say the son of God, but the manuscripts that are the oldest say a son of God. So he didn't become a Christian, but he did see something even in the way Jesus died that set him apart from the other people. And he realized, wait, this is no ordinary man. We're in chapter 41 now. Joseph knew the future because he prayed and asked. Prisoners had come and said, we've had these weird dreams. Can you tell us what they mean? Now, in the West, we tend to not think much about dreams. And those who do think about them often think they have this great meaning or portent or future. Uh, In some societies, they do not say, how did you sleep last night? They say, how did you dream? And because of this, they remember their dreams. Remembering dreams is part of their culture. Well, they did here too. And a couple of them were very bizarre. And we won't go into all the details of the dreams. But in one of them, the cup bearer. Now, this is the person that would bring the food to the king or the pharaoh in this instance. And it didn't necessarily mean that they tasted it to avoid poison. That was kind of something in another era. Uh, But this was a very trusted individual because you were handling the food of Pharaoh. And somehow he'd gotten in trouble and he'd been in prison for a long time. Joseph tells him, you will once again bear the cup before your master. And he said, please, when you do, remember me. This morning, we followed Jesus as he took a cup and passed it about and said, when you take this, Remember me. The cupbearer forgot to remember him. As Christians, let's not make that mistake. Let's remember Jesus. Well, Joseph then warned of a coming famine, a time of trouble, and he helped Pharaoh prepare because he'd gotten in good by this time with even the, the, high, the highest echelons. He was actually made second in Egypt. And they... He said, you know, Pharaoh, his job was then prepare them for when the famine is coming that Joseph predicted. So he did, and he did so well, and he stockpiled the food. There are actually mentions of this in the Egyptian record, which are rather interesting to go through. And it, it isn't exactly like our scripture, but that doesn't mean, it's just a real quick thing here. Sometimes when you find something on an ancient tablet that refers to something in scripture, but has a slightly different thing, it is crass prejudice to then say, well, we believe the rock and not this. I always wonder, well, why would you do that? Uh, let, maybe perhaps the guy that wrote the rock got it wrong. But anyway, there are enough parallels here. We can tell what's going on. Because he prepared them and did it well, exalted high above the brothers. Well, that brings us to Philippians chapter 2. Um, one of my favorite passages actually in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not equate 
equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in likeness as a man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see the parallels? There are so many. Oh, by the way, how old was Joseph when he entered into service for Pharaoh? Genesis 41, 46 tells us he was 30 years old. When did Jesus begin his ministry? Luke says he was about 30 years old. Wow. When the famine struck and people panicked, they were told to go to Joseph for bread. Joseph had the food stored. Go see Joseph. When the people were out listening to Christ and they got hungry, Jesus gave them the bread. And he told people, I'm the source of the bread. He even prayed, give, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. By the way, for kids in, out there, bread is a, um, a word which doesn't mean just grain like loaves of bread. It means food. Food of all kinds is the daily bread. Well, now we're in chapter 42. If you don't know the story, it's a fascinating one. Um, famine has now struck Israel. And so all of the brothers are being sent far and wide because they've heard that in Egypt there is food. Well, they come to Egypt saying, we need food. And they say, well, you've got to go see Joseph. But they would have used a different word. They would have been speaking a different language. And besides, the name Joseph was known everywhere. So they would not have thought, oh, no, they didn't. In fact, whenever they went before him, Begging for food, they did not recognize who he was. Hmm. Scripture says in John chapter 1, the light came into the darkness, and the darkness did not understand who it was. And how many times did people not understand who Jesus was? Well, Jesus' people didn't recognize him. Joseph's didn't recognize him. Ten of Joseph's brothers were condemned to prison because... He was trying, he was doing a complicated game here of saving his family, but making them face the consequences of what they had done. He only held them in prison, though, for three days. When they went in, they didn't know that. They thought they were dead, but they were given their life back after three days. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. The brothers who sold Joseph felt remorse for what they had done. In fact, they even confessed what they had done before Joseph, not knowing that was him. They confessed what they had done to a younger brother. And when he saw their remorse, he responded. Judas also felt remorse when he realized what he had done to his Lord and Master. We're in chapter 45 now. The, the brothers did not know who Joseph was even then. And so when they came the second time, he revealed who he was. And Jesus has a second coming. There's just so many of these. And once they realized who he was, they were terrified. But Joseph showed them compassion and forgiveness. 
Now, by the way, that was not the norm in Egypt. That was not, and I'm not picking on Egypt. That was not the norm anywhere. If you hurt somebody who then became powerful, you died. You were imprisoned. You were tortured. You were killed. This great high authority offers him compassion and forgiveness and tells him, don't cry. Well, when Jesus comes back, there are those that take portions of the book of Revelation and take them out of context, not understanding the literature, not understanding the timing, not understanding the culture in which the, the readers lived. And they believe Jesus is going to come back on a horse with a sword and lead an army, killing a whole bunch of sinners. And I can understand how that's attractive. We like justice, don't we? We like evil people struck down. And if we are really honest about it, we would like to help them do it. Because we've got some people we're thinking about that we want to meet in the field of Armageddon. Well, no. When Jesus returns, it will not be as an agent of wrath, but as our brother and savior. Remember how he came first time? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, Joseph in chapter 50, verse 21, comforts his brothers, tells them, no, you're going to be fine. He even then sends them back to get their father. He says, bring on the family. We're going to put you in the best land in Egypt. And they did, the land of Goshen. Which, is, which became in the 1800s a, um, a synonym for, for heaven. You talk about going to Goshen or going to Beulah land. That's where that came from. Well, there was someone who also turned Jesus into the authorities, Judas. But there was another one, a close friend, a best friend, in the circle of three besties that had denied Jesus when they were within sight of each other three times. The scripture even says the third time Jesus turned and looked at him as he ran away and the cock crew. And then there's a story. No, no, there isn't. I wish there was. I wish there was a story. I wish we would have been able to see at a distance. But in Luke is the only one who just puts in one verse that Jesus met with Peter. That's all we hear. But we can tell a different Peter showed up because the Peter before this was running away, impulsive. The Peter after this stands up on the day of Pentecost and said, men of Israel, and tells them what they did and what they must do to be saved. Once again, the parallels. By the way, had that meeting been a rough meeting full of judgment and warnings of future failure and, you know, I love you, Peter, but here are the 15 things you've done wrong, I think we would have heard about that. But what we see, see instead is a changed Peter who goes from running from Jesus to standing for Jesus, proclaiming the risen Lord. I overestimated how much time I need. Isn't that interesting? We're going to be a little shorter. We might actually be a sermon which is listenable in one segment. I hate to break my pattern, but there you are. But there's a subtle thing that happened in this that we don't talk about. I've never heard really talked about. One of Joseph's sons, oh, I'm sorry, two of Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, were from his marriage to a Gentile woman. Not one of the covenant, not one of Israel, 
as it was then called, since Jacob's name had been changed to Israel. And yet, they were given full status in the kingdom, full portion of land, full status as a tribe. And Jesus has given full and equal status, not superior status, but equal status to Gentiles in the kingdom of God because he brought us in. We're not the new favorite that looks down on the old favorite. We have been chosen as they were chosen. And so who's been left out of this? Jews and Gentiles are in. So who's been left out? Sorry, those categories cover everybody. I'm not sorry. But you see it in Joseph first. And then you see it in Jesus. The stories in scripture are one story. You out there, you need to know a couple things. One, we are working for Advent, and these sermons are Advent, and our Christmas Eve service will be on Christmas morning, because Christmas Eve is on Sunday, and you can watch it at any time, obviously. But one of the things ministers struggle with, how do you tell the same story every year and make it fresh? I struggle with that too. I'm struggling with it. I haven't finished the Easter Christmas Eve service yet. Easter Christmas Eve service yet. I haven't started finished Easter either, by the way. But here's the point. However we tell the story is, is one thing. What God wants is for us to enter the story. What would it be like to be Joseph where you are? At your work? In your family? How can you rise above your situation? What kind of character can you show that is different from the character of the world? How do you do the story of Jesus? Well, if you're attacked by the religious authorities or family, how did he respond? How can we be a part of that story? How can we move his story forward? It's one of the reasons why I push people, and I do push them, be super kind to servers at restaurants, be super kind to people that are working, be super kind to the people, in fact, that they're working is a wonderful thing, so you know, thank them for that, be, be the people that they remember that there was something different there, and as I've said many years ago, I came home once, and my wife said, how was my day, and I said, well, I met a Christian at Walmart, and they, she said, who was it, and I said, I don't know who they are, but I could just tell by the way they looked and acted and a smile on their face. They were a Christian. Be the story. Be a part of the story. Make it, make it part of your Advent prayers as we approach a new year and in the West. Make it your prayer and your pledge to join Jesus in his story for the rest of your life. But that may be too much to ask. So instead, like AA and other 12 steps, one day at a time. Now, choosing for the rest of your life and then figure it out one day at a time. And that way it's like a marriage. You know, a good solid marriage that lasts a lifetime. Or we've chosen each other for life. How do we do that today? You need to pray about it. You need to think about it. We're going to look at more stories next week. But I also remind you that those that are all in on the story, one of the things they do is that they are baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we would like to offer that to you at any time. I know you're around the world. Um, by far most of our viewership is in the United States, but we know we're not the only ones. 
If you tell us you want to be baptized, we will do everything we possibly can to get someone to you. Don't enter Advent without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Make sure you make that a priority. I didn't bring the guitar close. That was my, uh, that was me. So let me go get it. I'll stall here sometime just to eat up. The tongue. I, I won't use those extra five minutes, guys. Story of Jesus. I, this is one of the first hymns I remember being sung. And it was sung, of course, by my mother many times. She had the most amazing voice. High vo- voice could go falsetto. I, I can't. Oof, especially with that. I can't. So, are we able to hear? Yeah, I'm just checking to see where the stream is and where I am. Dave's up there doing his magic. And right now, the bunny may have died. Um, Let's see, I want to put that up just one. I think my voice is just a wee bit tired. It has been a long week, uh, but you, your prayers and your love have carried me through, and it will continue to. I feel absolutely certain. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard.